You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee, as well as ESPN Chippewa Falls. And yes, ESPN Wisconsin, because I represent everyone. Uh, another day where Frank had mentioned this yesterday. Um, shout out to Nathan on Twitter, who uh, tweeted us and said that Burnham Wood which was the ESPN affiliate that I was representing yesterday, uh, is actually his hometown. Uh, so that's it's very nice to hear. Uh, and he said, you know, if you're ever driving up 45 and need a meal, stop by Chet and Emil's best broasted chicken in the state. That seems like quite a claim. Uh, I'm not sure how many people will go through Burnham Wood at any point in their life to actually test that out. But if you do, Nathan says... That's what you got to do. Chat and Emmels. You got to check it out. Um, so have some fun with that. But uh, we are enjoying this. Like Frank said yesterday, it's kind of kind of fun that each day that we've kind of mentioned one of these places, either uh, someone's mentioned, you know, that's my hometown or I was just at that place the other day or whatever it may be. Uh, so this has been kind of fun. Uh Keep giving us suggestions for places uh, to stop by. Uh, the other day we had Little Shoot, uh, and I had Wes offer to buy me a beer if I'm ever in Little Shoot. Uh, so that, I mean, to me selfishly is what I'm after now. Um, I will now be requested. No, I'm not going to say requesting beers, but hopefully if I just say I'm in blank random town in Wisconsin, someone will pop out some locked on bucks listener will let me know that they will in fact buy me a beer from that place so hopefully that's my goal we're gonna keep doing this every day uh, with a new town all right not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of brew hoop frank madden as you know frank takes off uh friday or for our friday uh, thursday nights for our friday podcast so uh it will unfortunately be just me um i had mentioned the possibility of a guest but then i realized uh one that it is now baseball season and i'm often covering the milwaukee brewers at night which i did uh tonight and two it was game five of the western conference finals arguably the most important interesting game of the entire season because at we're at a point where someone is actually trying to challenge the Warriors and doing a damn good job of it as the Rockets actually won that game but because it was this night and then I was asking someone to record at 10 30 or whatever it may be uh, I didn't find anyone so that's fine we're gonna power through I got this. I will, you know, put the ball under my arm, uh, just like Chris Paul, clear some people out, make sure I get a screen and somehow get isolated on Kevon Looney and take him to the rack. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to try to go through a bunch of different things. And I wanted to start with that game, uh, that game five in the Western Conference Finals, just because 
man, it, it was interesting. It, it's kind of crazy to think after all of the things that we have said about uh, this this Golden State Warriors team, how unbeatable they were, how frustrating it can be at times to watch them, you know, not even play good basketball. And then, you know, Kevin Durant just bails them out at, at the end of the shot clock. And you're just like, okay, this is an impossible team to beat, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe the Houston Rockets can do it. And I just wanted to just pull a little bit of time aside to talk about Chris Paul, who I just think, and the reason I want to talk about him is because I think narratives can end up being so interesting. And uh, as I was writing my book, which some of you might know about on Twitter, um, one thing that I found was I, I just always end up thinking about the 1980s Milwaukee Bucks because they were a team that always had to go up against Celtics, always had to go up against the Sixers, and if they beat one of the teams, they would lose to the other one, and then that would keep them from getting to an NBA Finals, and that would keep them you know, from ultimately uh, reaching their goal. And they were just a great team for that entire decade, but could never quite get over the hump. And it, looking back on it now, like you don't remember them, and you don't speak of them as you do even the Sixers from the early 80s, as you do the... the uh, the Magic-led Los Angeles Lakers, the Larry Bird-led Boston Celtics. Like You don't talk about them in that same vein because they didn't win. And I always worry that that will be kind of what happens with Chris Paul. And it's a true shame because he's had so many of these moments where he's just been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible and able to lead his team to some just improbable victories. And uh, just, I just think there's a chance that, that people forget him because he's not going to get a title. And I mean, this is his first Western conference finals and everyone just kind of gives him such a hard time, but he's been so incredible throughout his career and through whatever circumstances, his teams have just not been there, whether that's uh, going up against this Warriors team, whether that was injuries, whether that was, uh, you know, not having a good enough roster around him, whatever it may be. Like, there's just so many things that have, I'm, I'm not going to say conspired against him because there's no conspiracy, but have just gone against him and kept him from kind of claiming that mantle and claiming that spot that he deserves. And uh, I just wonder, is tonight another one of those nights? Because he puts on a show. James Harden was bad tonight. He couldn't get anything going. And um, I'm sure Frank can talk about this on Monday because his wife is a Rockets fan, so he might have some thoughts on this. But Harden had nothing. He couldn't do anything. And it was Chris Paul again and again searching out mismatches, finding a way to get enough pick-and-roll screens that he can get a matchup that he wants, and then attacking it and just hitting big shot after big shot. I mean, you think about that double-pump three that he hits on the right wing, end of the shot clock, uh, in the middle of the fourth quarter, and it's just like, how, how is it possible uh, that he would hit a shot like that with eight minutes left in the biggest game of the season? Um, or at least I think that's what most people would call it because they don't think the Eastern Conference fi- the Eastern Conference finalist will actually be a, a team that can go up against them. And now you're hearing and you see him get his hamstring or injure his hamstring late and you wonder, will he get a chance to finish this all off? Or do we get to a spot now where 
he can't play in the next two games. And then all of a sudden, his Game 5 heroics, much like that improbable floater he hit over, I believe that was San Antonio a few years back when he was with the Clippers, like, does all of this stuff just fade away again and he doesn't get uh his moment he doesn't get his chance uh to kind of you know claim what i think is rightfully his like which is a, a spot as a hall of famer or a spot uh, among the best point guards in the history of the game and I, I man i would just be so sad about that but at the same time this is one of the things that i think when my good friend Pratik Patel was on the show earlier this year. We had talked about, you know, just kind of the idea and if it's fitting because Pratik is a Clippers fan and obviously ended up cheering for Chris Paul quite a bit. Like, just one of those moments where, yeah, I think you just have to remember that this is entertainment and you are along for the ride. And, you know, maybe rings aren't everything. You don't have to win a championship to get true joy out of this. And and I can only imagine what Rockets fans were feeling. And if you are a, just a Chris Paul fan and someone that always cheers for him, what that moment was like tonight where he almost single-handedly, uh, obviously Eric Gordon had 24 points off the bench, but uh, from the starters, like he was the guy that led them. And I don't know, it, it was. I just thought it was such a cool moment and immediately just a punch straight to the groin uh, because maybe he doesn't get this moment now. So I, I, it was all I could think about. I wanted to kick off the show with that because I, I thought it was very interesting. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And, you know, maybe the Warriors end up winning these next two games and uh, the Cavaliers win the next two games and uh, they both end up coming back from three from down 3-2 to get to the NBA Finals again. But maybe they don't. Maybe we get to see the Celtics in there. Maybe we get to see the Rockets in there. So that should be interesting and fun to watch this weekend. It's a long weekend with Memorial Day, so hopefully, you know, everyone's able to enjoy that. I know I certainly will be over the weekend. All right, so coming up, I want to talk a little bit about some things that happened uh, here at the end of this week that, you know, I don't know if we'll end up talking about down the road. I think maybe I'll have Frank react to it a little bit, and and those are all defensive teams, all NBA teams. Um, But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sterling Brown once again, and I, I guess the reason why I say that is because I feel pretty confident that we're going to end up talking about this for a long time uh, because I don't see this story going away. It is a huge story. It has, uh, it's a story that has appeal off the basketball court. I mean, last night, obviously before we recorded, this was leading the news anywhere locally. Uh, it was on all of the national news shows as well. Uh, it is an, it's not going anywhere. I will say that. So, um, some things I wanted to mention there. One, uh, looks like Sterling Brown will be on Good Morning America with Robin Roberts. Uh, looks like they did a sit down interview. There was a, a small snippet out here as I record at about 1 a.m. here, uh, Friday morning. So, 
that should be coming out here in the next couple hours. Uh, you might end up listening to this later in the day, and if you want to go back and find that, I would assume by the time you get to it, there will be the the full interview up there. Uh, so Good Morning America will have Sterling Brown on the show uh, in a chat with Robin Roberts tomorrow. And I guess some of the other things I wanted to mention was, uh, obviously Frank is the the founder of brewhoop.com and I thought there Kyle Carr wrote a very interesting article um as as an African American in Milwaukee and it's titled Sterling Brown's case is only shocking if you're not black in Milwaukee uh, it was an article that made the rounds today and I, I would just say I thought it was incredibly well written uh brings up a number of the problems that we talked about last night that these problems are real in Milwaukee. These are real things uh, that are wrong in the city. And, you know, we are, we as a community should be trying to repair. And I just thought he did a nice job kind of bringing the facts, letting everyone know kind of how the city is. And for someone from the outside, um, maybe they'd be shocked by some of this. And honestly, maybe there would be, and actually probably more importantly, I think there would be people within the city, within the community that would be shocked by it as well. Um, To just kind of see how large the disparity is um, in a number of things in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, Just how... Uh, how this is one of the most segregated cities in the country. Uh, and, and like I said, I thought Kyle did a really nice job laying out a number of those facts, breaking down some of the things that have already happened in the city uh, with systemic racism and uh, kind of that injustice that is a part of the city of Milwaukee, uh, and then kind of how it relates to Sterling Brown. So I would go suggest, go read that. And again, it's not... It's not the longest read, but it is a good read. So that is Kyle Carr. Sterling Brown's case is only shocking if you're not black in Milwaukee. Go check that out. Go read that. Um, I would, again, plug the conversation that Frank and I had. Um, Again, if you are a little bit confused what I'm talking about with the Sterling Brown case, we talked about that on yesterday's Lockdown Bucks. That should hopefully get you caught up and you should have a better idea of kind of what's going on there um and again like i said last night feel free to do any of your own research and um the big thing for me in all of these things and all of these ideas is you know do your own research and try to learn as much as possible and uh, the it's funny but I, we talked about this when we were going through the coaching search and i had always said you know do your own research, look up stuff and, you know, come to the conversation informed. And then hopefully we'll have a really good conversation about coaches and who should, uh, the bucks hire and all of that. And it feels ridiculous now to ask you to do the same thing, uh, with this issue and this topic. But, uh, I would suggest the same thing. Like they're, they're not in any way comparable. Uh, the importance of, uh, some of the problems in the city of Milwaukee are, are much more significant than, uh, the bucks coaching search. But I would say, you know, try to try to read up on this. There, there's been plenty written. There is a lot of resources out there that you can learn some more about this. So I would suggest doing that. 
on those same lines, uh, my good friend Pratik Patel, who I already mentioned here um, from ESPN Milwaukee, one of my teammates there, uh, told a story on Homer and Gabe, the show that he produces on ESPN Milwaukee, on ESPN Madison, uh, on ESPNWisconsin.com, and the ESPN app, uh, about an experience he had in one of his first few weeks in the city, I think maybe in the first month or two uh, of being in Milwaukee. And uh, obviously, he, as a person of color, he's able to, you know, maybe shed some light on the situation that others are not able uh, to shed on it. And I just thought it was a really interesting story. And what kind of burned it on was uh, we had a caller at the station that uh, had heard him mention part of the story um, and then was just kind of shocked about how how Pratik acted and uh, how willing he was to accept what, I mean, on, on its face appeared to be racism uh, by the police force. And I just thought it's, I just think it's a really good important story that kind of gets at some of these issues and and i would really encourage you to listen to it i will tweet out the links to it again um i tweeted it out earlier today i'll tweet it out again in the morning uh when i tweet out the links to this podcast uh but again just like i said try to take as much of this information as possible because i do think it's important i do think it's something that is an issue in our city and something that I think we can get better at as a community. And even, even if you are listening from somewhere outside of Milwaukee, one, I think this helps you learn a little bit more about Milwaukee, but two, this is not a Milwaukee specific problem. Like these things happen all around the country, all around the world. Um, these are, I guess in some ways, very human problems. So, uh, check all that stuff out again i will tweet out links to all of it tomorrow so if you wanted to follow me at eric underscore name that should get you all of that information in one place uh, tomorrow morning all right now to actually talk about some basketball and analyze some of that and i'm sure there are a number of you that are saying thank you for finally talking about basketball but like i said yesterday I think this is important stuff, so we need to talk about it. And like I said, I don't think the Sterling Brown story is going anywhere. So um, it's probably better to get used to it and prepare to end up talking about it more often than not. Um, And like I said, I think those conversations are important. So they will continue on this podcast, um, and I would hope that they continue in this world and we continue to learn something from it. But moving over to basketball, the last two days we've uh, had – some of the NBA awards, um, I shouldn't say the awards, some of the all-NBA teams released, uh, all-rookie, all-defensive, and now all-NBA. Each of those teams has come out in the last day or, so, or in the last couple days, so I um, want to talk a little bit about those. Uh, obviously, the rookie team, that has nothing to do with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, no votes for either Sterling Brown or DJ Wilson. Uh, that was... I don't think a shocker to anyone. Uh, Sterling obviously just didn't really get all that much time. Uh, and DJ Wilson got even less, uh, and neither of those 
players were uh, were, were thought of at all uh, from the media members that voted there. Up next, uh, all defensive team, obviously a first and second team there. And Giannis Adetokounmpo had gotten second team all defensive uh, last year. He did not get the same honor this year. He ended up uh, three players outside of uh, the second team all defense roster. Um, And just kind of going through that list, the first team all defense was Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, Victor Oladipo, Drew Holiday, and Robert Covington. Uh, Second team was Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, Al Horford, DeJounte Murray, and Jimmy Butler. And uh, just kind of looking at some of the points there and the breakdowns, uh, Giannis ended up getting 15 all-defensive first-team votes, uh, the fewest of anyone on the either the first or second team was Joel Embiid, who had four first-team votes, uh, but many of those uh, for the center position went to Rudy Gobert, who had 94 first-team votes. So uh, Joel Embiid had 82 second-team votes, which obviously gave him a pretty high total, the highest total on the second team. Uh, and then uh, of the other guys, Jimmy Butler just gets 20 first-team votes, uh, 39 second-team votes, which gives him a score of 79, which gave him the final spot on the all-defensive second team. Now, the players in between there, uh, Chris Paul comes away with 74 total points, 20 first-team votes. Paul George comes away with 69 uh, points and then 22 first team votes and then Giannis was next in line there with 43 uh first with 43 points overall 15 first team votes and I guess it's it's for me it's kind of interesting to think through all of this because we talked about it I think midway through the season and we talked about it a little bit last year last year uh Giannis had for a while he was on pace for a a historical defensive season. He had had uh, four portions of last season. He had over two steals and over two blocks per game, which is something that I don't, I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was David Robinson was the last person uh, to do that. So it had been a a long time since someone had done that. Uh, So I think he had a lot of momentum there, and then he was able to uh, get himself into that spot and and get himself a spot on the all-defensive teams, on the all-defensive second team uh, for the 2016-17 season. And I guess what's interesting there is, a lot of the times, and this year is really strange in this regard, a lot of the times you just kind of vote in the guys from last year. The defensive teams, to me, are very much reputation-based. It is it is a situation where you know a name, you know that they're still good on defense, so let's get them some points and let's get them on one of those teams. And this year you have six first time selections on the all defensive rosters uh, on the first team. Victor Oladipo was a, a first time selection. Drew holiday was a first time selection. Robert Covington was a first time selection. And then on the second team, Joel Embiid was a first time selection. Al Horford was a first time selection and DeJounte Murray was a first time selection. And I guess what's interesting there is I think you see a couple guys that, you know, maybe 
should have already had one of those. Um, I think Al Horford is someone who maybe in the past his defense has just been kind of underrated because uh, he's been seen as someone who's just been a part of a scheme and not the guy that's that's sort of leading the defense. But uh, obviously with, with Coach Bud here in Milwaukee now, you're at a spot where we've talked about them having a top five defense for three of those five years that he was in Atlanta. Uh, some of the years while he was there, Al Horford was the guy. And uh, I think Paul Millsap ended up getting a little bit more uh, of the credit for that. But I think really this was a spot where Al Horford deserved that much earlier. So uh, maybe he was someone that deserved that. Drew Holiday, I think maybe you could argue at times, um, deserved it. But this year he was truly special on the defensive end. And then when you look at some of the other guys, Victor Oladipo had a great year uh, among the league leaders in steals. And then Robert Covington and Joel Embiid, uh, that Sixers defense was among the best in the league. And uh, obviously there's some reward there. And then DeJounte Murray had a really nice defensive season as well. But what I think is interesting is last year, the Bucks defense was even worse. The Bucks defense was flat out bad last year. Uh, not good this year, but... By the end of the season, it was 17th in defensive efficiency and in the 20s last year. So I just thought it was interesting that this was the year where we kind of saw the voting contingent zig a little bit when typically they zag. Typically, this is an award about what you've done in the past and I know the name and I'm going to put you in and it did seem like they were much more open to kind of doing those things and I guess to me what what's really interesting is Giannis was still among the very best in the league at stocks and when I say stocks I mean steals and blocks um, I think coined by Bill Simmons Back in the day, maybe a decade ago when he wrote the book of basketball, maybe it was even more than that at this point, um, but steals and blocks combined, I believe if I if I had my numbers right, Giannis is just outside of the top five, but still in the top 10. Um, obviously not as spectacular and crazy of a season as he had last year. Um, I think Anthony Davis kind of taken over for that role. I think he had 4.1 stocks this year. Giannis had 2.9. Um, so I can understand him not being on the first team and, and maybe having some questions there. But to me, it was just kind of strange that... In one year, he's clearly punished for being on a bad defensive team, and the next year he's not. And again, I guess maybe this is a situation where he really does need to have those those insane numbers if he's going to get that honor. Now, I think if you're a Bucks fan and if you are a big-time Giannis supporter, you would think next year he's for sure going to be on one of the all-defensive teams. I think with as much as you've heard from Mike Boonholzer about how important the defense is, how good that is going to be, how much they can improve on that side of the ball, and all of that starting with Giannis Dettacumbo, I think you'd believe you're going to see his block numbers go up, maybe his steals numbers go up again, and maybe for a second time in his career, you're going to see him flirt with that two-steal, two-block kind of average per game. And I just think it'd be really interesting. And um, this year, again, I can... I can understand why you'd keep him out, uh, but at the same time, 
I don't think that his numbers have have really changed all that much. And I know in his uh, in his season end awards column, Zach Lowe had said he thought Giannis was the premier perimeter defender in the league, and he he thought he was someone that should be on the one of those all defensive teams. And I, I know it's some it's something that I reference semi regularly on Twitter, and it's something that I would assume you've probably seen before. But uh, Steve Shea and an analytics guy uh, at Steve Shea thirty three, uh, math professor and sports quantitative analyst uh writes a little bit about hockey analytics and spatial tracking and basketball analytics and he has put together a ranking system that uh there's a point total in a system that you can rank the best interior defenders and you can rank the best perimeter defenders and there's two separate scores so one for interior one for perimeter and on each of those Giannis is one of the few guys that's like in the top 20 on each side. And then because he's so good in each of them, he obviously has a large composite score. And again, he was kind of seen as one of the league's top defenders. And I get it. Like the narrative around Giannis wasn't super strong this year because this Bucks team did struggle so much. And I think you would hope that that narratives don't kind of decide awards, but I think it would be naive for us to think that they don't because they clearly do. There's always a narrative. There is always a story. You are always trying to, uh, I think if you're not covering that team day in and day out, you are taking larger views from around the league, uh, pictures zoomed out a little bit more and you're trying to figure out what it all means and, and who did what? So I think this year a simple categorization was Bucks are struggling. Giannis was great, but you know not quite as good as he should have been because the Bucks team wasn't as good as they should have been. So he wasn't doing quite enough. And again, I don't necessarily know that that's true. I think that's a little bit lazy. But I, I think it would be naive to believe that those things don't happen. So uh, again. I can see him not being on the that all defensive team. Do I think he might have deserved it over I mean, over a guy like Robert Covington? Yeah, I, I think so. Um and uh over a guy like Paul George? Yeah, I think so. Over a guy like Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I think so. Um and then I, I think Draymond is obviously a great defender and kind of the reason why it all works for Golden State and um, you know, Al Horford's a great defender as well. Maybe you knock out one of those other first timers. Is Giannis a better defender than DeJounte Murray? Yeah, I think so, probably. Um so uh, again, I get narratives kind of dictate these kind of things, but at the same time I I think I would maybe have a problem with the idea that that Giannis wouldn't be one of the 10 best defenders in the league. And uh, I know there are positional designations, so you would have to figure out how he fits in as uh, one of the four forward spots. But, you know, there's because of the point system on that second team, it was forward, a forward center in Al Horford and then a guard forward spot in Jimmy Butler. So uh, there would have been room for him if he would have gotten more points, but he did not. So, um, you know, that, that kind of stinks for him. But like I said, I would assume, I would assume next year you will see him back on one of those all defensive teams.
All right, finally, today the other team that was announced or the other teams that were announced were the All-NBA teams, first team, second team, and third team. And really no surprise there as Giannis was on one of those teams. And um, it's something that after the all-defensive stuff, I had a couple people tweet at me and say, oh, should we... Should we be worried now that Giannis won't be on All-NBA because he wasn't given the proper amount of respect on All-Defense? Because, I mean, this is something that is important. Um, We talk about the Supermax, and for Giannis to be eligible for the Supermax, he needs to have been on an All-NBA team in two of the three years leading up to that contract. Uh, And again, we've been talking about two summers from now is when that eligibility would start to matter. Uh, So this would be one of the three years in which he would need to be all NBA to be eligible for that super max extension. He's eligible. And I I wasn't really concerned uh, about that at all, just because I think he is so overwhelmingly one of the 15 best players in the league that that was not going to be a problem. Uh, And it wasn't. So Giannis ends up being on the second team and To me, the larger question was, will Giannis surpass Kevin Durant? And what was interesting to me there was, uh, I think Kevin Durant is definitely a better basketball player than Giannis Dedekumbo at this point. Like, I, I don't really think there is an argument, I don't think there's an argument you could put together that would convince me that Giannis is better than Kevin Durant at this point. And I think it probably goes... LeBron and then Kevin Durant um, and Steven Jackson argued as much on the jump today when Zach Lowe tried to argue for Giannis above Kevin Durant. But why that's interesting is when you look at all NBA voting, you're going to have two guard spots, then you're going to have two forward spots, and then you know you're going to have a third spot that could be center forward um, or center. But I believe on the initial ballot, you do need to go guard, guard, forward, forward, center on all three first, second, and third teams. And again, media members can get creative with it and put a guy like Draymond Green at at center if they really want to, even though maybe he may not be. Um, so you can get creative with it, but no matter what, you're going to kind of have those distinctions. And where this gets really tough for Giannis is I would assume he wants to have first team all NBA next to his name at some point in his career. Right now, that's a little bit difficult because LeBron James hasn't retired. In fact, LeBron James uh, was one of two people to get uh, unanimous votes, uh, to get all 100 votes and all 100 of those votes be for him on the first team. So he is one of two guys to get total of 500 points out of a possible total of 500 points along with James Harden. So LeBron isn't going anywhere. Kevin Durant, not going anywhere. He's obviously younger than LeBron. So no matter what, Giannis is going to be competing against those two guys. And why I thought it was interesting this year was Kevin Durant missed a bunch of games. He ends up playing only 68 games this season. And I think to me, uh, I'm more like I said. I'm more than fine saying Giannis is not as good as Kevin Durant, but is this the key with these awards is that you're looking at the season that they had. It is not who are the best 15 players in the league. It is who had the best 15 seasons in the league. And 
when he only plays 68 games, I think that opens things up and makes things incredibly interesting. I think you're able to start to think a little bit about the the possibility that Giannis might have had a better season than Durant. And it's kind of interesting to see this play out because uh, a number of people notice, like, if you look at their stats, Giannis had more points per game than Kevin Durant. He had more assists per game than Kevin Durant. He had more steals per game than Kevin Durant. Uh, Durant had more blocks than him per game. Uh, but when you look at uh, like you look at some of those those totals, and you realize that you know Giannis put together a really impressive season, and I think you could argue um, that with the the supporting cast that each player has, that they're. I think could be some doubt. I think you could attempt to figure out like, does Giannis mean more to his team than Kevin Durant? And uh, where that, where that becomes difficult is Kevin Durant's a fantastic player and maybe he doesn't need to do as much on the Warriors, but should that be a penalty for him? And I would say probably, yeah, like, if you don't do as much, well, even if you could potentially do more, you didn't do as much. Um, and I, I think that's why this became interesting. And I had mentioned this to Matt Velasquez at the end of the season, and we were kind of talking through his hypothetical votes and uh, his roster and his team. And I have no idea what he ended up doing. Um, I'm not here to try to get Matt in trouble or anything. But as we were talking about this, um, one of the things that, we had kind of thought about was Giannis misses a bunch of games at the end of the season. And the, the bucks were very careful with him. And obviously uh, there might've been some other reasons for that as they were trying to figure out if they could get themselves in the sixth seed to play the Celtics, who everyone thought would be, would be the best matchup. Uh, but in the final, I think 11 games, Giannis ends up sitting out three of those, uh, and only playing 22 minutes in the final game of the season against Philly. Um, so there was just a, a number of games where he didn't end up playing a lot. Uh, and again, you saying, well, what do three games matter? Well, it's the difference between playing seven more games than Kevin Durant and playing 10 more games than Kevin Durant. That could have been uh, 78 games on the season for Giannis, uh, 68 for Durant, and if he, you know, plays a few more minutes in some of those, maybe those numbers are a little bit higher. So instead of 26.9 points per game, maybe that's closer. I mean, maybe it's 27. Maybe it's closer to 27 and a half. Like all, all of those things do, you know, kind of can possibly drag down some of those numbers. So um, I, we talked about it then, and I was curious if that would play a role. And again, I don't know that it is, um, but one tweet that I did see today was Bill Simmons talking about his voting, and he brought up the Durant versus Giannis conversation because it's something uh, that Zach Lowe brought up today on The Jump. I tweeted out uh, his conversation about that and his thought process for why Giannis over Durant. And one of the things Bill Simmons said was, you know, Giannis faded a little bit down the stretch. And I would guess, I don't know, but I would guess if Giannis plays those three games and he has a total of 78 games played on the season, I think there's a good chance that maybe there isn't the narrative of Giannis fading at the end of the season. Maybe you think that he had a little bit better uh, time at the end of the season. And, you know, maybe there's, I mean, Giannis does, 
does crazy things pretty regularly. Uh, in some of the games he missed were against the Knicks, against the Magic, against the Bulls. He could have put up big numbers in any of those. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a few more headlines that he steals and he's able to have a better He's able to have a better resume and a better season. So uh, it's just something that I'm generally curious about. Like, it, it could, I think it could have gone a different way if he was a little bit more healthy down the stretch, if they weren't uh, as concerned about getting him the rest that they believe he needed for the playoffs. And I think there could have been something there. But ultimately, when I tweeted out the fact that I was thinking about would it be Giannis or would it be Kevin Durant, I had some people say, like, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. Like, he's 23 years old. It's not worth getting mad about. And, like, I think my overarching point would be, like, I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying I thought it was an interesting conversation. I thought it was something that um, I'd be really interested to see because during All-Star voting, the media, there was LeBron from the media, and then there was Giannis from the media. And he was above Kevin Durant in those situations. Like, from the media, from the players, he got more votes than Kevin Durant. So I thought it would be interesting down the stretch, especially with Durant missing those games, if there would be a possibility. It ended up being not quite as close. Uh, Durant had 426 total points. Uh, Giannis had 354 total points. So Durant was the final person on All-NBA first team, and Giannis was uh, the highest total on the All-NBA second team, but still... 75 points there, a pretty big difference uh, as you're trying to figure out exactly what happened there. So um, if you have any thoughts on Giannis's deservedness for all defensive teams, for all NBA teams, I would love to hear it. I'd be very interested to, to kind of hear. Again, I don't think there – I can't imagine there's – anger that there's uh, any vitriol that you have for voters or anything that happened but to me it is something that I think I'm I'm very curious about because I think there could be room for healthy discussion on both of those awards on both of those teams so um, I would love to hear it that is going to be it for us Uh, Frank and I will get back together on I suppose Monday. I don't think we will do anything on Sunday night for uh, Memorial Day on Monday uh, because we do try to do these, you know, during the work week. So I would assume most of you have off on Memorial Day. Um, I will say this. Please be safe. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. But if you've, if you've been drinking, call an Uber. Find a friend that is sober. Um, whatever you need to do, be safe. Don't do something stupid. Um just be safe over Memorial Day weekend, uh, as it is a time, I think, of celebration because it's probably going to be nice out. And if you've been in the state of Wisconsin, that hasn't been the case for a while. So enjoy it. Enjoy the sunshine. We will be back with you guys on Tuesday. Frank will be back. I'll be back. We'll have some fun. It should be a fun conversation. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.